Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. This is Dale Calvert. I hope you've had a great week. Uh, we just got back late last night from Myrtle Beach. We were down there, had a phenomenal week. Just got to spend time with our family and watch my granddaughter play in a basketball tournament all week. They ended up making it to the Final Four. They did get beat, did not make it to the final game. But she did phenomenal. She did not miss a shot her last game and hit eight straight free throws, which some of you know I've been teaching her how to visualize it going through the basket before she shoots it, getting her mind right. So we had a great time. We, it was it was great. Got to spend time again with my daughter and my grandson and my son-in-law. My sister came down for a couple of days, so we had a great time. I hope you've had a good week. In this session, we're going to talk about your money, and I know that's something people really don't like to talk about is their money, their finances. You know, a lot of times you've probably seen that meme. I'll try to find it where uh, people think that success is a straight shot up. You get involved in a business and you just go straight up. And you've probably seen the meme again, and it says what people think success looks like and what it really looks like. And it's up and around and circle and back and forth, back and forth. It's just a scrambled mess in the begin in the middle. And then finally you break out. And then that last final push is, is somewhat straight. And I believe that final push just comes down to you're in that swirling around and back and forth and four steps forward and five steps back and up and down and it's a mess in the middle because you're trying to figure things out you're trying to put things in the proper perspective and the main thing is you're just trying to find the right opportunity at the right time in history that's really when the breakout occurs because during the mess you're you're learning about your work ethic, your time management, your attitude, uh, all the factors that really go in and, and are necessary for success. But you can have everything lined up, everything. All the stars can be in place. But if you're with the wrong opportunity at the wrong time in history, your progression forward is going to be very limited. You know, people see people where they are. They don't understand the path that they took to get there. And I've always tried to communicate to people when when you make it, uh, nobody's going to care how many failures you had along your path. It's just part of the process. You cannot have success without failure. And there's a, a tremendous amount of dedication and hard work. And you're going to have to go through all kinds of disappointments and you're going to have to develop really good time management skills and good habits that have to be developed and have to be worked on, really worked on. Uh, you're going to have to deal with failure. You're going to have to have a lot of sacrifice. You're going to have to give up some things. And it's going to take in a tremendous amount of persistence. And once you get there, it's like the uh, picture you've probably seen of the iceberg where it talks – you see the iceberg on top, but you don't understand – how massive it is underneath. They don't understand what it took to get to where you are and the path that you had to take. 
and there aren't no there are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. So when I talk about success, I acknowledge and believe that there are seven key areas of life. I call it the wheel of life. You know, we talk about physical, mental, family, financial, career, spiritual, and social. That's the seven key factors, the spokes in the wheel of life. In this session, we're going to talk about financial success. What does financial success mean to you? What are your personal goals? I mean, what are your goals for this week, this month, the rest of the year, the next three to five years? Because you need to be clear on those. And everyone's definition of success looks different. I don't necessarily need to know where what your definition of success is or where you plan on going. But I do know that you better know. You need to know. And you need to be, you need to be focused on that vision, that picture that you have for where you're headed every single day when you hit, when you're, when you're, when your feet hit the floor. It, it should be, your focus should be, boom, this is where I'm going. This is the direction I'm headed in. In my mind, the fact that you're listening to this podcast means you're already a success. And I talk about that in great detail. I did a, v, a video. You can find it on YouTube. I think the name of it is You Are Already a Success is the name of it because I believe success is living your life working towards worthy goals. Once you reach those goals, you are no longer a success unless you set new ones. So success is working towards, is not achieving. It's working towards. Uh, and I talked about when I was living in a little 600-square-foot house and driving a beat-up Chevette, but I was working towards worthy goals every day. I was just as much as of success as years later when I'm living in a 17,000-square-foot mansion on 100 acres in central Kentucky. Uh, success has nothing to do with what you've achieved and has everything to do with what you're doing on a daily basis. Success is living your life working towards worthy, intelligent goals. And, you know, for some people, earning an extra three to $500 a month is really all they're looking for. And if that's you, that's easy. I mean, learn how to buy and sell on Facebook Marketplace and eBay, and you'll get to three to $500 a month easily within 90 days with just a little bit of education and experience. All of us are different. I believe if you're going to develop, the, if you're going to spend the time, energy, and effort into a business, then in my mind, your income should be it should be residual. It should build up on itself. You should be adding to your existing income every no, every month, not working a week, getting paid, working a week, get paid. You should find a business model that offers true residual income. But that's how I feel. I mean, I believe if you're going to build a business, then it should be one of a one that offers you really the opportunity to become a millionaire within three to five years. They're out there. It's going to take a lot of time, energy, effort, education, but they're out there. And as Jim Rohn taught, the goal is to become a millionaire, not for the money, but for the person you will have to become in the process. I see too many people that with just warped perceptions on business and life, and so many people have so many entitlement mentalities uh, I saw a quote today from one of my friends on Facebook that I really love and respect. Uh, and the quote was from Marcus Aurelius. 
And it said, everything we hear is an opinion, not a fact. Everything we see is a perspective, perspective, not a truth, not the truth. Let me read that again from Marcus Aurelius. Everything we hear is an opinion, not a fact. Everything we see is a perspective, not the truth. That is 1,000%. Sorry, Marcus, old boy, but that is 1,000% not true. It's not true, but that really is the perception in the world in which we live in. There are no facts. There are no, there is no truth. And that is just not the world in which we live. But that's the, the, the narrative that's been, you know, put, put in front of our face constantly, daily, uh, because they don't want people to understand that there are facts. You know, two plus two is four. That's a fact. That's a fact. So, Marcus was, you know, he it might have sounded very eloquent when he said it, but it's not true. Wisdom of the ages principles are in play. They're in play all over the world. And if you violate them, you will pay the price. You're going to pay the price in lost time that you can never, ever recover or lost relationships that were never developed. And I could go on and on and on and on. But there are wisdom of the ages truths. There are universal truths, no matter what the world is trying to tell us. You know, there are forces in this world, good and evil. Regardless of what you think, it doesn't matter because truth is truth. So what I'm going to do in this session, I want to cover five principles that play a huge role in your long-term financial success. And the one that I believe the most is probably the most important of all, which, you know, you need to really solidify your thoughts around. And that concept, I just call the learning curve versus the upside income potential provided. I think you'll enjoy this session. Listen closely. Thanks for being here, guys. Welcome to the MLMSuccess.com podcast, the show designed to return the network marketing industry to its roots of personal growth, leadership development, and wisdom of the ages success principles. We share with you real success stories from real people that we hope will inspire and encourage you personally and help you progress forward in your business and your life. We believe if you build people, people will build the business. Now here is your host who has been called the number one mind in network marketing, the MLM Profit, Network Marketing Virtual Mentor, and a host of other names that we will not mention because this is a family show. Frankly, he's just a small-town guy that figured out that the real product in network marketing is people. Dale Calvert. Let's talk about your money. It's hard to explain really what's happening right now with the cost of everything going up. Uh, and when many of us believe that the government has the solutions, but having politicians that are willing to not willing to put those solutions into practice is just kind of maddening. It bothers me that so many Americans and people around the world are just are distrusting, sad, angry and broke. If you or someone, you know, is starting to feel the pinch, I strongly encourage you to share this podcast with them and. For you to listen real closely to this session, no matter how hard you work, no matter how well your investments do, 
it just kind of feels like it's getting harder and harder to get ahead. And if you have those feelings, you're definitely not alone. More than half Americans today say they can't cover an unexpected $1,000 expense. Their air conditioner or their heating go unit goes out or problem with their automobile. Most Americans today cannot cover an unexpected $1,000 expense. And even high-income earners feel like they're treading water as interest rates rise. The bear market has hit the crypto market, and the bear is all over the stock market. And even in a niche that I'm in, the sports card investing niche, uh, some prices in the sports card, the high, 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 high level $10,000 plus cards has dropped as much as 40% since last November. And in this session, I'm going to share with you five simple ideas that you can start internalizing today, steps you can take beginning right now that can have a real positive impact on your entrepreneurial journey. Uh, it just doesn't seem like it's normal today. No question we're in, we have disruptions all around us in virtually every aspect of life. And it doesn't feel like the free enterprise system that many of us grew up in. And look, I know that talking about money makes some people uncomfortable. But as someone who has been supporting people on their entrepreneurial journey for two-thirds of my life, I can say with complete certainty, ignoring these issues will not make them go away. Let me say that again. Ignoring these issues will not make them go away. I encourage you to study these five principles. Put your time in businesses that provide the greatest upside potential and you can control your financial future. What the mind can conceive and believe, you can achieve. And you have to believe that there is opportunity here for you, but you're going to have to search deeper. You're going to have to be more committed. You're going to have to get loyal and, and dedicated to what you're doing. Focused, most important word in your entrepreneurial journey from this point on in history is focus and what the mind can conceive and believe you can achieve. I believe that. Let's get into the five principles. The number one principle and the thing that you have to really wrap your mind around is what is your ultimate financial goal? What do you really want to accomplish? I've talked about this a lot lately in this last few sessions of this podcast, but I really can't communicate it strongly enough. Because there is no treading water. There is no, you're going forward or you're going backwards. There is no coast. You're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. Period. End of story. So what is your ultimate financial goal? Because a lot of people think, well, I want to make enough money where I have this coming in. No, it that's not the way the real world works. Things happen. Things happen. And a passion project is not does not normally make good business sense cuz some of you are involved in companies that you just are passionate about or feel loyal to and a passion project will 
will not normally make good business sense. When I started this podcast, it was try to save the profession, and it took me a while to realize it's it's over. It's too far gone. It cannot be saved. And even when I understood that, I tried to justify it with the starfish story. And y'all have heard the starfish story, I'm sure, but you know, all the starfishes wash up on the beach and the tide goes out and they're all on the beach dying. And this child is picking them up and trying to throw them back in the ocean. And some man comes up to the little child and says, you know, you, you can't save all these starfish. You know, they're going to die. It's not going to make any difference. You know, you're wasting your time throwing them back in the ocean. And the child held up a starfish as he was throwing it back into the ocean. He said, it made a difference for that one. And that's kind of where my mindset has been. If, 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 if there's just a few people that can hear what I'm trying to communicate, then if enough of them can move forward, then it could make a difference. And I'm not saying that I was necessarily wrong spending the time, energy, and effort. I'm just saying that that energy was probably misplaced and could have been spent elsewhere. I wouldn't change anything. Uh, but while you're listening to this podcast, why are you listening to this podcast? And, and the bottom line for most people that are listening to this podcast or any niche-oriented business podcast is because they want to make more money. They want to develop some type of financial independence. They want to get on the investing side of things, as Robert Kiyosaki talks about in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and not and away from the trading time for money situation. That's what most people that are involved in business are ultimately looking for. And money's not going to fix all your problems. I mean, there's unfortunately millionaires commit suicide around the world every week. Money is not the answer, uh, but it will help you work out your other challenges in style, I remember someone saying. You know, so money's not the answer in and of itself, but it takes a lot of the pressure off. It gives you the time to design your life and to do what you want to do. And if you want to leave and go to Myrtle Beach for a week to and spend a lot of money on a lot of different things while you're there and enjoy watching your granddaughter play basketball and spending time with your loved ones. And you can do that. And I've talked a lot about, you know, business people, business minded entrepreneurs having the courage to pivot uh, in this podcast. I've talked about that many, many times. You know, there's so many great people in the entrepreneurial space Great people that are just simply working the wrong businesses at the wrong time in history. But the, the thought of going through another learning curve is painful for them. Okay. They, a lot of people, they've, they've worked hard. They've worked really hard. They've learned a lot. They've been through a lot of ups and downs in whatever particular business model that they're involved with. And, They've come through the learning curve, and now they're competent in their business, whatever business that may be. But in their heart and their soul, they know that their business or their opportunity is on a downtrend. It's on a downtrend. 
But the pain and the thought of going through another learning curve keeps them in the wrong businesses at the wrong time in history. And here's a secret that I will share with you, and it's something I've really probably never said before, but from the time I was 20 years old when I started in the Shackley business, uh, I have been throughout my life in a never-ending learning curve, and it will never stop. It will never stop. A never-ending learning curve. So I just go from one learning curve to the next learning curve to the next learning curve. I'm not trying to learn it all, achieve something fantastic, and then just sit on the beach with some kind of umbrella and a drink the rest of my life. I love the game. I love playing the game. I love the experience. I love the progression. I love moving forward. Uh, my goal is adding to net my net worth every year. That's the goal. And it took me a long time to learn that because I went through a 10, 15-year coast mode. But that's where I live. And I have always been in a never-ending learning curve. And I force myself out of my comfort zone daily. Uh, many of you know back in November... I decided that I'm going to learn as much as I possibly can about the crypto market. And I spent an enormous amount of time, effort, energy trying to dissect, look behind the curtain and figure out the crypto market, find the right mentors. And, you know, so I spent time there. I, I What I do is what I talk about. Uh, you know, my goal right now with the I Have Meta program my goal and my ultimate goal, my ultimate goal, the last part of my business career, is to find an opportunity uh, to help 500 people create six-figure incomes. And I'd like to have thousands of people on our team that are earning $1,000 plus monthly. And I believe that I have found it. Uh Based upon things I've already talked about in previous sessions of this podcast, so I'm not going to repeat it. But my gosh, 600 earners is 100, <laughs> 100 loot boxes, and we had people in the company that did that in their first two weeks. Okay, so again, I'm not going to get into all the details there, but it is what it is. The, the math does not lie. The math, there is certainty in math. There is, regardless of what Marcus Aurelius tried to tell us, you know, math, there is no math is the math. And and if a hundred boxes creates a hundred thousand dollars in income, and I don't know, I've I've done in the first month, I think forty or fifty, I really don't even know. But if a hundred will create a hundred thousand dollar a year income and there's people in the company have already done over a hundred in less than a month, then how likely or, or what's the possibility of being able to help 500 people get there within 12, 18 months? I mean, it's pretty, pretty simple math. So the first thing you have to do is decide what do you really want? Because there's a lot of people that just love creating crafts to sell on Etsy. And that's cool if that's what you want to do. If, if, 
if you just love it so much and you want to make thirty or forty thousand or fifty thousand or whatever it is a year doing that, that's fine. But what if you put that time, energy, and effort into other business models, ones that can make maybe two hundred thousand a year or three hundred or five hundred or even a million dollars a year? Isn't that something that you should consider? I mean, why not? Why not? Go into the marketplace, make a lot of money, invest it wisely, buy a duplex or two, and invest that money wisely. Where I've always said the goal of any business is to put yourself in a situation where you don't need profits from that business to live a comfortable life. You want, you know, as far as network marketing is concerned, you want to get to a point where you don't need the check from your company to live a comfortable life. You want, you want to be able to live on your investments, not your, your, your commission check from your network marketing company. That's, that's the only time you've made it. That's when you've made it. That's when you've made it. When you're not depending upon the commissions from your network marketing company to live a comfortable lifestyle, but from the investments you've made, maybe in real estate or tax lien certificates or other car wash storage or a storage facility, but you're, but you're making it from other businesses outside of the network marketing niche. So that's the first thing you have to really wrap your mind around and don't, don't think too small. Give yourself some credit here. I mean, really give yourself some credit. Uh, you know, you know, give yourself some credit, please think bigger. You know, my first mentor in network marketing, Jim Burke, he said the biggest problem most people have is they think too small. Nothing, you know, they have this vision of how much money they can make and it, and they're never, they're never go, they never break through that vision. You know, I was talking with someone earlier today and he has a person on his team, I think had done 30 loot boxes. Uh, he's at $3,000 a month in passive income now. And he's happy with that. He doesn't care to make any more. Man, that is such a mistake. That, that's such a mistake. When this is not, you know, you can hit a lot, this, this opportunity, it's not, it's not a home run. I mean, I've had a couple home runs over the last 40 years, but this is not a home run. This is a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth inning to win the World Series type of opportunity and when you run across something like that you need to maximize it as long as it's there as much as you can because you don't want to get down the road a few years and think man i did i did 30 boxes in three weeks if i just kept that pace up for a year uh instead of making you know three thousand a month i could be making 40 or fifty thousand dollars a month and residual lifetime income. So again, it's, you gotta be smart with it because I, I, I know for a fact that when most people get to 300, you know, they're making 30,000 a month or 40,000 a month. Uh, they're going to be fishing. They're going to be on the golf course. They're going to be taking, uh, hot yoga classes and they're going to be doing all kinds of other things instead of maximizing the full upside potential of the opportunity. And that's fine. That's that's fine. But you got to wrap your mind around what is your ultimate goal and don't stop until you get there. What is your ultimate goal and you cannot stop until you get there. 
and, and again, for me, if you're going to be involved in business, I believe you should, your goal should be to become a millionaire, not for the money, but for the person you will have to become in the process. Number two, you must be willing to not be normal. You must be willing to not be normal. If you have a desire to be liked and understood by everyone and you have a business, it's not going to happen. Normal people don't make abnormal income. Normal people don't make abnormal income. One of the biggest challenges of financial success is people care too much about what other people think about them. They're just too worried about what somebody else is thinking. They're trying to fit in somewhere. Why fit in? You're an original. Act like it. You're an original. I, I, I mean, honestly, this ne- this has never been much of a challenge for me because I have a deep understanding that people, individuals, see things not as they are but as they are. They see things through their own glasses. Those that feel that they're a victim – have victim mentalities, think everybody's out to get them. They do. I talk to people every day. They have a victim mentality. They think everybody's out to mess over them. You know, they're, 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 they're looking for catches when there are no catches. You know, liars think everybody lies. So they have problems not just recognizing the truth, but, but they have a problem recognizing documented facts they have a pro- liars have a problem rec- rec- recognizing facts not just recognizing the truth but they want that liars if somebody tells them two plus two is four liars think they're lying they're being lied to they just do it's fascinating to me some people are real money motivated. And if you're in business, profits should be a priority. And understanding that your profits are in direct proportion to the value you provide to the market that you serve. That's real important. But some people cannot distinguish those that are focused on profits versus those that are just eaten up with greed. And greedy people, like many politicians, will look you straight in the face and tell you something that you know and they know is not true, thinking that you're not smart enough to look at the facts and look behind the curtain. And I I have trouble with that. I have a real problem with that. I mean, it's right in front of us. We both see it, but you're trying to say it's something else. I have a real problem with that. One of the best quotes I've ever heard on this topic uh, regarding worrying too much about what other people think about you is never try to explain yourself. Your friends don't need an explanation and your enemies aren't going to believe you anyway. Never try to explain yourself. Your friends don't need an explanation and your enemies aren't going to believe you anyway. Over my business career, I've created thousands and thousands of connections. I have many people I consider to be friends Uh, probably more than most people just because of the nature of the businesses I've been involved with over the years. 
uh, I probably perceive a lot of people as friends that think of me as enemies, and that's a whole nother topic. But I really, I mean, I don't hold grudges with anybody, and I don't hold grudges. I eliminate them from my life. Okay, I just I don't hang out. I don't talk to people. I, I, I they are eliminated, and I've eliminated people. And will continue to eliminate people, and I will never have any conversation with them again, the rest of my life. That's how I operate. I'm not going to hang around people that I have a grudge against just to be hanging around. And, and there's a lot of people that, that, you know, for me to disassociate with a person altogether, uh, I give everybody the benefit of the doubt once, sometimes twice, but that's it. If I, I will not do it three times. Three times is the gauntlet comes down and I won't return the call and I'm not going to look at their email and I'm done. And it's sad because I've had people that have been friends of mine for years that I've had to do that because I have to maintain my sanity. But in general, I I have a distrust of everybody and I've lost faith in most people. You know, I have a a small tight circle of friends and business associates and family members that I have very open, honest, authentic communication with. I'll say what I mean and mean what I say, and I'm not good at sugarcoating things at all. I'm terrible at it. Uh, I don't guard my words, but I expect them to communicate with me the same, the same way with the same authenticity. I mean, we can agree to disagree and still have mutual respect for each other and still be friends. And I have a lot of friends like that. But I don't waste my time with people that are looking for reasons to be offended every day, uh, who just love to have drama in their life all the time, who who always see the glass is half empty. I mean, in general, I've, I, I've never had a thought about what other people are thinking about me. I mean, I've learned to be true to the person staring me back in the mirror. And that goes for everybody in my life. I don't care what my mama thinks. I don't care what Dawn thinks, my wife. I'm going to love them to the very best of my ability and everybody else in my life. I'm going to do the very best I can. And if it's not good enough for them, I apologize. I'm sorry, but that's how I have to live my life. I can't be bogged down in what somebody else is thinking about me, even the people that I love the most in my life. So if you want to achieve your full upside potential in business, treat people the way you want to be treated, call out those that need to be called out, and let the chips fall where they may, and to their own self be true. Uh, I'll, I'll share with you this real quick before we go to the next one, but called out people that need to be called out. Uh, at the ball game in in Myrtle Beach this week, one of the teams, Chapel, my granddaughter was playing, had this one little girl, and I mean, she was tripping people, elbowing people, just playing terrible, elbowing people, swinging her arms around, uh, accidentally, quote unquote, sticking her foot out and tripping people, and it was terrible. And the ball came out on our side of the court one time, and I grabbed the ball and gave it back to the referee. And as I'm throwing it back to him, I said, keep an eye out. And number 12 was getting ready to take the ball out. So she's standing in front of me. The referee is handing her the ball. I said, ref, keep an eye out on number 12. She's throwing elbows and tripping people out there. 
And Dawn hit me on the shoulder and said, Dale, she's just a child. She's just a child. And I said, well, that might be true. She's 14 years old, but she's going to get herself or somebody else hurt if she keeps playing like that. And the referee needed to be called out. And, and that girl needed to hear it. And I can tell you the rest of the game, she wasn't tripping people and swinging elbows like she was the first part of the game. So you got to be willing to call people out. Uh, one more quick example. We were coming home yesterday. There was a Hardy's restaurant. We used to have them in Kentucky. And then I think they all went out of business. And there was a Hardy's, brand new, just been built somewhere in South Carolina. And we're driving back and we're looking for something to eat. And I thought I hadn't had a Hardy's big roast beef sandwich in forever. Let's stop there. So we stopped. And I'm not going to get into the details, but it was the worst service I have ever witnessed in any restaurant, retail establishment my entire life. We walked in there, and the guy, and it should have been a clue because there's about three or four aggravated people in front of us they finally all got their food and they they were all making comments y'all don't want to you know the 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 service here stinks blah 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 and we walk up to place our order at the counter and this young girl probably 16 17 years old she kind of looks up and then she walks back in the back and i watch her get these this big cup and she's filling up two huge five gallon buckets with ice and then she walks up to the front, and she's, she's scooping the, the ice out of the buckets into this cooler that sits at the counter in these new hearty designs, the restaurants. She didn't say, I'll be with you in a minute. She didn't. She acted like we, she didn't even see us. And we're standing right there. She's looking right at us. Then finally, she gets both the buckets emptied. She takes the buckets back to wherever the the bucket closet or whatever. Then she walks up to the cash register and she just doesn't look up. She doesn't say anything. She's just sitting there like a robot in front of the cash register. Just like, didn't say a thing. And I said, are you ready to take our order? And she looked up and just nodded her head like, yes. Uh, And I could go on and on and tell you about the rest of our experience. I won't, but here's my point. Uh, I didn't say anything to her. I got her name off her name badge. And the first thing I did when I got home last night, I was tired, been on the road, tri- driving. The first thing I did was file, go to Hardy's website and send a formal complaint about that restaurant and that, that employee. You got to call out things that need to be called out. I have a philosophy that the reason people are so messed up it's because everybody's nobody's nobody wants to call out things that need to be called out. So ignorance and laziness and rudeness just perpetuates. You know, I feel sorry for this girl. I really do. But some she's gotta have she's gotta she's gotta get woke woke woken up at some point. Because if she doesn't, she's going to have a very miserable life in front of her. Didn't mean to go down that road, but I had to. Number three, you got to understand that leadership is the highest paid profession in the world. You know, everybody wanted to work 
at IBM, they wanted to get to the manager position, become a manager at IBM, okay, so they could get a higher pay grade. Managers are great, but the world pays for leadership. Leadership is the highest paid profession in the world. I mean, a good example of, you know, Lee Iacocca years ago when he came to Chrysler and turned Chrysler around after being booted out of Ford Motor Company. Why? Because of his leadership. You could talk about Ross Perot and his leadership. You know, met his quota at IBM. He was a sales rep at IBM, met his quota within two months. You know, wanted to say, hey, I've already met my quota. Is there some type of incentives I can work towards? Is there some kind of goals you can put in front of me so I can be, you know, have something to be shooting for the rest of the year? This happened a couple years in a row. And finally, Ross just left IBM and became their competitor, started his own company. Why? Because Ross Perot was a leader. There's two types of leaders in this world. Number one are leaders with position power. They have a title. Therefore, they have some level of power and they demand some level of respect. I've always believed in the Peter Principle. There's a book called The Peter Principle. I can't ringer, ringer. R.J. Ringler or something is probably still in print. I don't know. I read it years ago. But his whole philosophy was people are promoted to their highest level of incompetence. If you stop and think about that, that's kind of a brain tweak. People get promoted. They get promoted again. They get promoted again. They get promoted and they're incompetent. And they stay at that level. So people get promoted to their highest level of incompetence because in corporate America and real world, people are looking for people to take on responsibility and leadership. And you will get continue to get promoted to a point to where you cannot handle the position you're in. And I felt like I was surrounded with those people at IBM, people that Peter Principal, they got promoted to a level that they hadn't that they met their incompetence. People are promoted to their highest level of incompetence. The other type of power is personal power. And so you have position power and personal power. And personal power comes from your ability to communicate with people to, to, where people trust you. There's a trust. There's a mutual trust. There's a, you know, I've got your back. You've got mine type of relationship because ultimately people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And you gotta love people enough to tell them the truth, what they need to hear, not necessarily what they want to hear. And, and I have to do this every week, it seems, with different people on my team. And some don't like it and some appreciate it. And the number of people that tell me what they think I want to hear is exhausting. It's exhausting. I just can't do it much longer. I've, I've been dealing with it my entire business career. And I am shocked at the number of people. Maybe it's because I have some personal power with them. Maybe. I don't know. But they will tell me what they think I want to hear. And it's exhausting. I don't like that. Again, the number of basically honest, hardworking, good people that think it's okay to tell somebody something and do, do, then do nothing 
to back it up or to follow through on their words, it's overwhelming to me. It's overwhelming. I, if I tell you I'm going to do something, then I'm going to do it, period, end of story. If I say I'm going to be somewhere, I'm there. If I say I'm going to call you at a certain time, I call you. If I can't, you're notified. I don't just tell people what I think they want to hear. I don't even know what they want to hear. All The only way I can communicate with people is rubber hits the road authentically as I possibly can. Leadership is about recognizing talent and potential and being honest and authentic with talent and potential and you've and in network marketing especially or any type of team building you have to find people that want the opportunity more for themselves than you want it for them and they're smart enough to learn from your experiences guys i can't say that strongly enough the secret is you have to because there's a lot of people that have talent and potential. Okay, a lot. But my, my, my flaw always has been that I wanted more for them than they wanted for themselves. And then when I do find people that want it for themselves, those people are usually the ones that are the least teachable that you'll ever work with. And I can start naming names right now of people that I've run across over my career. Hard workers wanted it bad, but they were not smart enough to be teachable. And I could start naming names right now, and I could go on for hours of people like that I've met in my career. They're just not teachable. They have strong desire. So it's a fine line. You have to find, again, talent and potential. You got to be honest and authentic with those talent, talented, potential, potentially huge people. And, and, and you have to find people that want it more for themselves than you want it for them. And that's not easy. And, and I've just, I learned that a long time ago. And it's hard for me to see talented people waste their talent. It sincerely is. But, you know, I have to treat them the same way that I treat. I mean, I have to get to a point where it's like I've said, I've done all I can do, all I can say, and I've got to let the chips fall where they may. But it, what most people do are they're trying to motivate and inspire the wrong people, people that will never do it, have no potential of doing it, and they're trying to inspire and and encourage those people and those people usually just need an extra dose of self-confidence. So if you want to upside, if you want to maximize your upside potential in business, you must learn to recruit the right people and to lead them. And again, this is very hard for some of us to do because honestly, positive people drain my energy. All people drain my energy. Uh, some people get energy from other people, and I 
admire those. I would love to have that. If I could get energy from everybody I speak with, man, my life, I would, that would be awesome. But that's just not the way my DNA is made up. Some people get energy from all people and love to hear themselves talk. I don't like to hear myself talk. I don't ever want to take up anybody's time if I don't have something significant to share with them. Uh, so I'm just not one of these people that can just ramble and, and, and about that, which I've never done or know nothing about. I'm just not that person. I, I value my time and I value other people's time. So if you want to maximize your full upside income potential, study leadership, study leadership. Leadership in business is more important than product knowledge. Number four, accept 100% responsibility. It is never they, it is always me. If you're doing the numbers, if you're doing the activity, the advertising, the promotion, and you're not getting acceptable results, the answer is always refine your skills. Don't blame the prospects. Don't blame the potential recruits. Don't blame the customers. Blame yourself and your skill set. If other people are doing it, then you've got you. Then you can do it. You can do it. You got to learn to copy what works, and most of it is mindsets. You got to get the right mindset. I mean, this past week, it, it was like I was speaking with a lady, and finally, I just asked her. I said, "I know this might sound crazy, but why are you in business? Are you in business to make profits?" And I mean, I had a couple conversations with her on the phone prior, and honestly, she just seemed really spaced out, spaced out. I don't know if she was on some type of medication or what, but it's like on the phone, and I hesitate even spending time, but I had to figure out what is going on with this person. Why is she in business? I mean, what's the deal? And I finally just asked her, I said, are you in business to make a profit? And she said, well, I think I'm probably in business more just to occupy my time. I said, occupy your time? Because, and she said, yeah, she said, my husband travels a lot in his business and I wanted something to do. So I started this business and, you know, so it keeps me busy, keeps me out of trouble and I, it just kind of occupies my time. And I, honestly, I had no idea how to even reply to that. You, so you come here every day, and you're dealing in this business, and you're dealing with customers and shipping and all the other things, and you're coming here every day just to occupy your time. It's like, well, if you're not interested in making a profit, then I have your two competitors. I know who who runs those shops. And I'll just go spend my time. I'll go communicate with them. I appreciate your, I appreciate your time. I wish you well. And I left. Now, there's probably something I could have done better to handle that. But in all my 40 plus years in business, I cannot ever remember talking to a business owner that says the reason that they are in business is to occupy their time. 
Now, I'll have to think about that some more because the next time somebody tells me that, I'm going to have to figure out uh, a good response because it just kind of blew my mind. But again, it's on me. It's not on her. It's and and I probably you know I could have said a lot of things, but it just blew me away. But I could have said, "Would your life be better if you were making twenty thousand dollars extra a month? Would would that improve your business or your life at all?" And she might have said, "No, my husband's a multimillionaire. He inherited forty-two million dollars from his relatives." I don't know, <laughs> okay. But if you don't ask the questions, then you'll never get the right answers because the quality of questions that you ask is going to determine, you know, the moves that you need to make. And maybe, possibly, this was one person that shouldn't be doing business with me, possibly, but. You know, the, the, the trap you get into is, is you start blaming everybody. Okay. She really was probably the space, spaciest person that I've ever spoke with that I can recall in business. But I still have to put that back on me and my responsibility. And what could I have done better? What could I have said in her in that situation instead of just saying, well, she was a space cadet, blah, 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 because it's, that's a real easy out is nobody's interested. Well, there are, other people are interested. Why are you saying nobody's interested? You know, other people are finding people every day that are interested. Why are you not finding them? You need to refine your skills. So, again, it comes back to 100% responsibility. If others can do it, you can do it. We've all heard of Murphy's Law. And this is just... You know, it's just the way life is, the way business is. There is no straight shot up. There's no straight shot up in any business. And especially if you're in a new trend, a new business, something's never been done before, which is where I like to try to be, honestly. I want to be on the front end of, of a new trend, a, a new opportunity if possible. But y'all have all heard of the old guy named Murphy, Murphy's Law. And there's five parts of Murphy's Law. We usually hear if anything can go wrong, it will at the worst possible moment. That's what that's a quote we've all heard. But there's actually five parts to Murphy's Law. Number one, in any field of endeavor, anything that can get can go wrong will go wrong. That's what we usually hear. Number two is left to themselves, things always go from bad to worse. Left to themselves, things always go from bad to worse. Number three, if there's a a possibility of several things going wrong. The one that will go wrong is the one that will cause the most damage. Uh, Murphy was a pessimistic soul. Number four, nature always sides with the hidden flaw. And number five, if everything seems to be going well, you've obviously overlooked something. And these are tended to be funny, but it's also, you know, just kind of the way life is, you know, positive Production, productivity, being positive, moving forward takes effort. Being normal and negative and mediocre doesn't take anything. Anybody can be normal, negative, and mediocre. Anybody can be. But if you want to be a top producer, if you want to achieve more than, than most people ever will, you know, if you're willing to work three to five years, uh, really hard, so, you can, so for the rest of your life, you can do what most people can't. 
then it's going to take time, energy, and effort. It's going to take time, energy, and effort, and you've got to keep a pulse on the game. You've got to continue to expand your comfort zone, as we've already talked about. Number five, the last thing I want to share with you, and this is probably the most important, the deciding factor of all business should be should be this. What is the learning curve of the business? How long is it going to take me to learn it versus the upside income potential? I'm going to say this again. What's the learning curve? How long is it going to take for me to come become competent in this business model versus the upside income potential? And I want to give you a couple examples, and I want to give you a resource uh, if you've not read it, and even if you have, it's worth reviewing again. And it's an article. It's over at MLMSuccess.com. It's called Understanding the 20-Hour Rule Versus the 10,000-Hour Rule. Because, see, ladies and gentlemen, your time is the most valuable asset that you have. None of us want to spend time in something that is not going to provide us huge upside long-term potential, or at least we shouldn't. And, And when you look at different business models, how long is it going to take you to become competent versus mastery? It can vary. And, you know, in the article that I spoke about, the 20-hour rule, it talks about if you dedicate focus, keyword focus, and dedicate 20 hours of your time to any endeavor, most endeavors you at least get to a point where you can be competent within that, that endeavor. Will it create mastery? No, probably not. You know, Malcolm Gladwell says it takes 10,000 of 10,000 hours to, to master any business, any endeavor. 10,000 hours. That's a lot of time. You know, I've spent way more than 10,000 hours in network marketing over my lifetime. And I've spent a lot of hours on a lot of other businesses, but I don't know another business that I'm approaching 10,000 hours. But, I don't need to know everything about a business or a product or a service. I just need to know enough to be profitable. Did you hear me? In about 20 focused hours of the right information and implementation of that information, you can learn enough to become profitable. And once you become profitable, you can continue to refine your skills. And at some point, you can get to a place of mastery within any business niche. So when you find a business opportunity or a niche that is worth mastering, it starts with first becoming competent. And competency comes with 20 focused hours of implementation. Implementing, implementing information and systems that are proven and make sense. So, I'm just going to look at a couple of businesses real quick, and we'll wrap this up. But in my opinion, building a network marketing team has one of the steepest learning curves of any business model on the planet. Not not the steepest, but it's steep. And I believe with the right mentorship, it's going to take 18 months of learning and implementation 
and not just learning, but implementing what you learn, because knowledge without action leads to self-delusion. Learning and impl- it's 18 months of learning and implementation to create the foundation for success with a traditional consumable product network marketing company. And see, the rub is, even if you're willing to spend the, uh, the 18 months, and we talk about this at MLM Training Club, if, you, if you're not a member of the MLM Training Club and you're involved in a consumable network marketing opportunity with a consumable product, then you should check out MLMTrainingClub.com. You should, but uh, because the foundational systems are that you must master ultimately is how to get your business launched correctly, the retail-to-recruit system, the two-step recruiting process, and then lead generation, and then a distributor retention system. Now, those are the foundational systems on which to build a network marketing company. They just are. They always have been, and they always will be. They're not going to change. Those are the foundational systems, and you must, 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 must master, must master all five of those systems. All five. And most people never figure out because they're never taught how to successfully launch their business. They're never taught that. Uh, So they never, and if they've never learned it, then how are they going to teach it? And that's probably the most important part. How do I get this thing launched? How do I get it off the ground? So network marketing is, there's a lot of rubs in network marketing because there's a lot of people trying to teach people how to do that which they've never done. And because of that, it's, it, network marketing today is more of a social club than it is a business. And we've created a whole group of people out there that are treating it like a hobby. And hobbies are supposed to cost you money. And everybody's searching for the foo-foo dust. They're searching for the magic formula that everybody else knows that they don't know. They're foo-foo dust seekers. And it's not difficult. It's not. You learn how to launch it. You learn a retail-to-recruit system. You learn a two-step recruiting process. Step one, create curiosity. Step two, hear the whole story. You learn how to generate leads, and you create a distributor retention program. And those are the five key parts of developing a network marketing team. And if you master those five things, then you can expect some level of success. But it's going to take at least 18 months of the right mentorship just to understand those and get a good understanding of those five foundational systems which build network marketing teams. And then if you do that, again, if you do it, does how many people will do that, even if you're willing to do it? And if network marketing, if your long-term income is, is dependent upon the number of leaders that are developed on your team, which it is, in traditional network marketing companies, if your long-term income is is in direct proportion to the number of leaders that are developed on your team, how many people can you find that are willing to spend that 18 months t- to solidify those systems? See, you know, and then if you do, what is it 
the upside income potential, really. Today, I mean, go look at any company anywhere that's been around for 5, 10, 15 years and look at all the company, the entire company, look at all the distributors and ask yourself, who in this company started at ground zero and was able to create $100,000 plus income within three to five years? There's not very many out there. There's not very many out there. I don't know of any, as a matter of fact. So is that some, is that a business model that's worth putting the time, energy, and effort into? You have to answer that. Because again, it comes back to number one, what do you really want? What is financial, what's your financial goals, ambitions, dreams, desires? So, and another business model you could look at is just flipping domain names. And, you know, there's a piece of software that I discovered a couple of years ago. I flipped, I bought and sold and flipped domain names for 20 years uh, off and on. But it's just a little side gig. It was nothing I've ever really got real serious about. And then I ran across a piece of software. I'll try to find the link. Uh, it's over at Online Auction U. Uh, and I'll put the link in the description. But this is, you know, it's less than 100 bucks. I can't remember what the software was what it was called but you know I, I have it and you know maybe once a month i'll go in and i'll buy five or six or ten domain names uh with the the, the whole goal is to flip them you know immediately or down the road but i can find aged domain names that have expired and buy them and some of them have a lot of links coming to them and i can benefit from that link juice and it's a whole different world it's a whole different business, but in about 20 hours, most people, if they have the software, can learn how to do this. I mean, it's not that difficult, and if you've got some money to invest, I mean, you can buy a lot of domain names if you wanted to, but you can buy a few and flip them and then take your profits and buy more, and you could build a whole business around this. And what is the true upside income potential? Well, I think with, you know, three to five years of focused effort just in this niche, if you have the software, you can earn $100,000 plus a year. You say, well, Dale, maybe I should do that. Well, you know, it might be good for a year or two or three or maybe five. But honestly, think about this. Will Web3 replace websites? I mean, think about the number of websites you go to today compared to the number of websites you went to three, four, five years ago. Think about that. For most people, their online time is spent on social media. It's not spent on reading articles on websites as much as it was three, four, five years ago. So when I look 10, 15, 20 years into the future, I see people hanging out in the metaverse. <laughs> Honestly, I don't see them hanging out on websites reading articles about you name the topic. So short term, you can make some good money. Long term, I don't know. And then, you know, the third opportunity or business would be buying, buying, 
building and flipping websites and online properties. And I love this business model. But I also believe that Web3 is going to replace this business model at some level. Uh, because again, I just don't think people are going to be spending the time that they want to spend on websites. So I've got most of my web properties for sale. We sold one last week while we were at the beach and, uh, we've sold a few this year and we're trying to sell more. I just got to get them up and get them listed and get them out there and finding the time to do it. But I'm going to sell most of our e-commerce stores and our websites. But buying, building, and flipping online properties, I think the learning curve is much longer than 20 hours, okay? I think you can get a basic understanding in 20 hours, but to do it effectively, it's going to take much longer. You have to find the right mentors, people that have been doing it for a long time. And But I do believe, you know, over the next five years maybe, maybe 10 years, it's hard to say, but I believe, you know, if you spent three to five years, five years from now, you could be averaging 25000 plus a month just from buying, building, flipping online websites, just through affiliate commissions. I mean, most of ours, uh, we've bought the, the property. We bought the website. I mean, uh, we've, we have several e-commerce stores and websites that we've bought. Others we have built, but we have a, we have a lot of websites, a lot of web properties, and I am in the process of trying to liquidate. And I'm talking about outside of network marketing. I mean, we have one on skateboarding and all, all types of different niches, some of which we bought. One's just uh, one of our most profitable. Uh, you know, we bought it. Uh, it it paid for itself in a year and it's been generating nice monthly profits ever since. But the Google slap came about six months ago and it hurt our, our traffic some. And I have a choice to build it back up or to sell it. I'm going to be selling it. Uh, and it's all in the dance niche, dance, dance slippers and dancerholic is actually the name of the website. Uh, but we bought it from a from a young man in New Zealand, and it was a great investment for us. You know, it's been a great just passive income generator. We haven't touched it. And uh, so there's opportunities out there in that market, and I enjoy that market. I mean, I really do. But is it something that I would recommend people getting spend a lot of time, energy, and effort in today? Probably not because I don't know what the future is going to look like. Uh, number four, something else that I have a lot of interest in and have gotten back into. I was trying to, I decided I was going to liquidate all my sports cards, my sports card collection. Some of you know my brother and I owned a baseball card and memorabilia shop several years ago. And I thought, well, I'm just going to liquidate everything and I'm putting that money into crypto. And, and to different cryptocurrency projects. And that was my, my original thought. And as I got into it, I'm realizing, Hey, there's, there's some serious money to be made here with not that much time, energy and effort. And so 
we're kind of still selling a lot right now, but we're buying too. And Don says, well, you're buying more than you're selling, which, and you said you wanted to get out of it. Looks like you're getting into it. And I really haven't made a total a decision there yet. I'm just still experimenting and doing a few different things and trying a few different strategies to see how it all plays out. And I don't have enough information to make a logical business decision at this point. But from what I know at this time, when I look at sports card investing, the learning curve is going to be a lot more than 20 hours. Again, I wouldn't even be considering this if I hadn't had the card shop in the, in the past and, and had a basic foundational knowledge. But the, the learning curve to do this really to make some serious money is going to be much longer. And in my opinion, you have to love it. You got to love the sport. Uh, you know, I love baseball. It's my favorite sport. Now, I'm the biggest fan of Kentucky basketball, but I love baseball. I love the game of baseball. I grew up with it. So I love, you know, uh, buying, selling, trading the old Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, and Pete Rose, and Johnny Bench cards, Carl Uskrimski. I mean, that was my childhood prime. So I love all that. And I believe somebody that loves it and understands a the basics of baseball and can really spend some time learning the card market today and really devote it 100% of their focus, time, energy, and effort. And I said 100% that in three to five years, they could probably be making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in that niche. Uh, the next one is real estate investing. Again, it's going to be much longer than 20 hours is major, major competition. Uh, I've thought many times if I had to do it all over again when I was 20, instead of joining Shackley, I would have gotten involved heavily into real estate. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm into real estate, but not heavily, uh, as far as rental properties, uh, but, and tax lien certificates and so on. But, uh, you know, if you started today from scratch and you got, you know, I would go on eBay and buy every real estate course I could buy. I would try to find the right mentor, get plugged 100% into everything that they're doing. And you got, I understand there's going to be a lot of competition. The more money you have, the better off you're going to be. Yes, you can do it with no money. That's how a lot of us start, but it's going to take a lot of time, energy and effort. Uh, in three to five years, though, I believe you could be making a quarter million dollars a year. If you 100% focus your time, energy, and effort in the real estate market, and you got to understand there's going to be down markets and up markets and so on and so forth. Then we can talk about Shopify stores. You know, we had five at the beginning of this year. Uh, we've sold one. Uh, we're going to sell a couple more probably. We've got uh, evilycollective.com, which, you know, is Greek, evil eye, Greek, part of Greek mythology. I have no interest in that, but the numbers just made too much sense, so we bought the whole business, all the inventory, everything. Uh, for the beach, the same thing. Now, I do have an interest in the beach. We might hang on to that because there's a lot of tax benefits for us in our travels by having a beach-related store. Then we got Wildcat Gifts, which is my love. 
And then I have another unnamed, I'm not going to name it, but it's a sports-related website. And then we have one that we sold this year. I will probably sell Evil Eye Collective before the end of the year. I will hang on to Wildcat Gifts because I felt always felt like that's something I would do in my retirement. I may hang on to For the Beach. I may sell it. I haven't decided yet, and I will sell the other sports-related website. But, you know, buying stores has been very good for us. It's been really good, and we could buy a bunch more. I mean, we could buy four or five every year and build them up and then sell them or i mean there's all i mean that's a really good business if you're buying existing web properties stores shopify stores uh you know and i could do that and i could have fun doing that and that was kind of the path i was on at one point but you know uh for me what makes the most sense is the cryptocurrency market investing in cryptocurrency i mean for me i think there's so much opportunity there it's just it's really mind-boggling to me and the learning curve is much 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 longer than 20 hours i mean after i was into this 20 hours of trying to get myself educated in this market i was more confused than when i started i would say after 80 hours i was more confused than when i started but things have start, started and continued to get clearer and clearer. But again, we're, you know, I started, made the decision in November. And then according to most experts, the, 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 the bear market started right after I made the decision to get crypto educated. But you know what? The bull market will come and I'm going to be ready for it when it does. But I think it's the number one niche, honestly. If I was starting today and said, Dale, what would you do? I would be in the crypto currency niche but i also understand that most people don't have the patience the 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 desire the willingness to go through the amount of education that it goes that you need to go through just to get to a point of being somewhat competent forget mastery because it's an it's so evolving right now with the metaverse and so many things so many spinoffs from the crypto market. It's just, it's, it's in its infancy, but it's exciting. So again, you got to look at each market and decide, you know, does it make sense? I'm going to spend my time. Do I want to spend it really making stuff that I can resell on Etsy or do I want to spend it in a market that can create, you know, financial independence for myself? And I said it, I've said it a couple of times in the last month or so. I'm sure. And I'll continue to say it and because I know nobody understands what I'm trying to communicate when I say this. But the crypto market and blockchain contracts are creating opportunities that didn't even exist two to three years ago because of DeFi, decentralized finance. It's creating opportunities that were not even on the radar didn't even exist two or three years ago. So uh, that's where my my focus is going to be. I'm not going to go through all the gizmos and gadgets. I talked about that in another podcast. But I was telling my sister, she was with us at the beach this past week, and I said, there'll be people a few years from now that will be buying homes and then putting all these different crypto gizmo and gadgets 
within their homes and be making enough money to make their house payment every month just from the crypto they're making from their gizmo and gadgets, gizmos and gadget, crypto gizmo and gadgets that they have, whether we're talking about helium hotspots or VIPs or whatever, you know, uh, weather vanes and there's all kinds of stuff out there and there's going to be more and more and more. And I think I mentioned in a podcast that at some point there'll probably be a coffee pot that if you buy the coffee pot and use their coffee, you'll be able to create crypto, make crypto using their coffee pot. I mean, that's kind of where it's headed. It's kind of fascinating, really. But that's, that's, that's what I would do if I was you. I mean, you got to set, take a breath. You got to take a breath and you got to realize that it's all evolving. It's all changing. Everything's changing right now. And, you know, when I, your time's the most valuable asset you have. Some of you listening to me right now are trying to promote nutritional products with companies that have been around 5, 10, 15 years that have peaked. They're not going anywhere. They've stabilized. And all the time, energy, and effort you're spending there could be spent in business models that could produce literally a million-dollar income. You know, when I talked about earlier that, you know, I know that I have the opportunity right now to help my goal to reach my goal of helping 500 people create a six figure income within 12 months. It's, it's very feasible. It's very feasible. Uh, I was talking with someone, uh, earlier today that there's someone four levels under him, which would mean there are five levels under me. I've never met, didn't even know it was on the team. And he's got an appointment tomorrow with a facility that has 48 screens which means and they're very excited and they get 48 boxes loop boxes on these screens it's a workout facility and that gentleman will just make forty eight hundred dollars boom with one deal and so the opportunity that that i have in my hands right now it's the best i've seen in 40 years of being an entrepreneur and if you haven't contacted me directly about it you should you should if you're looking or in between, but regardless, regardless, to thy own self be true. Ask yourself the difficult questions. Where are you spending your time? What's that going to look like in three to five years? Is it really worth it? Are there other opportunities? And, and again, the crypto, blockchain, DeFi, it is creating opportunities that didn't even exist two or three years ago when you started with Melaleuca or whatever. Are you with me? So I just want you to, to look back and think, man, that pivot was the best pivot I ever made. It, it made all the difference in the world for me. And, and be willing to constantly grow, learn, and expand your comfort zone. Don't get comfortable in a dying business or a dying business model. So just to recap, guys, number one principle, what is your ultimate financial goal? Will your current business take you where you really want to go? And if it won't, shift. Make a pivot. Number two, you got to be willing to be not normal. 
you got to be willing to not worry about what others, other people are thinking. Number three, understand leadership in all businesses is the highest paid profession in the world. Leadership, read books on leadership. Leadership is more important than product knowledge. Number four, and I'm not saying that product knowledge is not important. It is. It is. But leadership is more important. Number four, you have to accept 100% responsibility. If things are not going the way you feel like they need to be going and, 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 and you're in the right opportunity at the right time in history, then you have to be willing to refine your skills. I never see failure as failure, only as a chance to refine my skills. I cannot tell you how many times I've said that to myself over the years. I never see failure as failure, only as a chance to refine my skills. I don't dwell on failures. I don't dwell. I don't beat myself up. Dale, you should have done this. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you say that? You were told to say this when they say that. Dale, you forgot to do that. I don't beat myself up. I just tell myself, Dale, you're going to get better. You're going to get better. You're going to, you're, you're, you'll get to a point of mastery. The self-talk, what you're telling yourself every day determines the energy that you go after your dream, go after your vision every day. It determines how you feel when your feet hit the ground every morning. It's important, guys, what you're telling yourself. You got to learn to psych yourself up. Do you get that? You have to. But it starts with taking 100% responsibility. You can make money or you can make excuses, but you can't make both. Number five, again, the deciding factor of all business should be how much time, energy, and effort am I going to have to put into the learning curve versus what is the true upside potential of a business? What is the true upside potential of the business? And if it doesn't provide passive income, then is it really, really worth your time? I hope this session has helped you solidify some of your thoughts about money, your time, where to spend it, who to spend it with, and giving you the the encouragement to, to get self-educated in the right trends and the right niches and always be aware of where – your trend is, your business model, where it is in the scope of this time and place in history because it's a constant evolution. I believe some of the most exciting evolutions and opportunities over the next few years will be inside the cryptocurrency market, uh, especially with the giz- giz- gizmos and gadgets that will be developed and are being developed as we speak. Um Take full advantage. Uh, take full advantage would be, be my hope for you. Thanks for listening, guys. I appreciate your time. Have an awesome week. This is Dale Calvert. Uh, we've been talking about your money. I hope you'll think about it, and, and I hope it'll make an impact for you. Really spend some time, energy, effort, and thought here this week, and I'll be back with you next week on another session of the MLMSuccess.com podcast. If you haven't gone over to iTunes yet and rated and left this podcast a review, what are you waiting for? At Calvert Marketing Group, we want to spend our time on the projects that we know are providing the most value for our clients and customers. 
You leaving us a review and feedback on iTunes is something that helps us more than you realize. And more importantly, it helps others like you find us. So if you've not taken the time to rate this podcast, please go over to iTunes and do that for us now. It will only take a couple of minutes out of your busy schedule. Work harder on yourself than you do on your business, and we will be back next week with another inspiring success story, wisdom of the ages training, or answers to your questions.